see, it says it right here. In God we trust, everybody else, we need to check them out. You see it right here, Shell? Yes, sir. That was my grandfather pointing out in God we trust on the back of a dollar bill and helping me to understand what I would go on to learn and practice throughout the rest of my life. That there is one uniting force no matter what and that is our trust in the almighty money hey this is michelle spiva and i want to welcome you to today's podcast of wisdom smack so join me on the flip as i talk to you today about trust in money see you soon money it's something that affects every person in the on this earth. And yet, it is a wee bit misunderstood. Now, you know, I have an affection for my family, especially my grandparents. And my grandfather was right, but not really. You see that piece of paper that he held up in front of me with the words printed on it, In God We Trust and e pluribus unum, and all of those other things, was not money. It was currency. And I remember having to learn the difference uh, in school many, many, many years ago. But you know what? Not even that has really taught me why there is such trust in money. So let's get to it. First of all, money. Let's Let's just figure out what that is. Money is a unifying factor across peoples, relationships, across religions, philosophies, morals, you name it. It is a unifying factor. I've mentioned this book before that I've uh, recently read called Sapiens, and it is, to say the least, inspiring, challenging, and uh, thought erupting. And I, for the first time, can appreciate what was done in that book around the subject of money when it comes to humanity and humans. And I'm going to borrow a little bit from there, and then I'm going to tell you the wisdom smack. So let's get back to this money versus currency situation here. You see, money is in and of itself the value that remains the same. It, the idea of money is that it holds its value period. And you might believe that money is like, oh yeah, well, money is gold or silver. It's not even that. Money is a construct that we as people agree on. We we agree that it is the medium by which we will transact and share our goods, our services, um, and that we will even give trust and respect. And so that is in and of itself money. Currency, on the other hand, are instruments used as a symbol or a representation of money. Now, let me tell you some of the cool stuff that I uh, liked about this book, Sapiens, and you should get it. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you should get it. And, you know, I would probably tell you to get it on audio um, because it is, um, it's dense matter, but listening to it as you maybe, you know, do something else, like a passive listen, you'll really be able to get it and um, be able to, like, pause and think and, you know, but still 
get it. So, okay. So the cool part that I like about uh, how it's talked about in the Sapiens book is this, and that is that with money, money is uh, has been able to do what religions and politics, wars and powers have never been able to do. And that is to unite people. Uh, in the book, it calls... Now, the funny thing is, is in the first chapter where he starts talking about money, I thought that he was going to be talking about Alexander the Great because he names it like the Great Conqueror. And I was like, you know, yeah, here we go. And because it's really an anthropological history of uh, sapiens, uh, homo sapiens. <laughs> and so when he starts it out, I'm like, okay, here we go. We're getting to uh, Alexander the Great. And no, he was like, the Great Conqueror is money. And he equates it with trust. And what he says is, is that if you have enough money, people are willing to do business with you or to regard you or even to respect you, not because of you, but because of that money. And I thought about that and I was like, this is so true. Um, I was uh, looking back through some of my... um, developmental uh, lifespan books for uh, a project or or someone I'm helping with the project. And they were talking about uh, relationships and what is important for women versus men. And to sum it up, and uh, that's a textbook, you guys, I'm I'm not going to make reference to that particular book. Uh, It was developmental theories or something like that. Um, But to sum it up, what they were saying was, is that uh, men, uh, most men, Um, well, not most, I don't want to say most, they said, men, I'm going to say you have a fairly good amount of men because there's always outliers. But anyway, men are, uh, concerned with strive for the ability to either protect or to show that they can protect. Whereas women are all about being able to portray, uh, beauty or um, desirability. And of course, they equated it back to the times of hunter-gatherers, uh, nomads, wanderers, whatever you want to call it, when we were in smaller communities and women were, you know, the wombed ones able to um, carry kids. And because of that, she would be, you know, have some downtime if she really wanted to be able to carry the child, nurture it, and all that kind of stuff. And so her um, ability to make sure that she got the best person to help her and to sire a child with was predicated on her ability to compete with the other women in the tribe and for her to be selected by, get this, many men. Because in most tribes back then, uh, before they had DNA and all this kind of stuff, when a woman had a child and uh, the child was being raised, usually most of the men would take on the responsibility of raising all the, you know, all the children because they didn't know which one was, you know, was theirs or not. And so it actually didn't matter. But the woman with the most children was the highest esteemed because she was valued for her beauty, for her desirability. And that desirability a lot of times was the fact that she was fertile. Okay. So what does that have to do with money? Well, it has a lot to do with money because what ended up happening is, is when we didn't uh, have to hunt and gather anymore, women still equated uh, protection and the ability to provide 
pro- protect, provide, and all of that uh, to men. But now that they weren't out there trying to um, slay elk, deer, and bison, and tigers, oh my, they were um, still having to do it. And that began to equate in our modern times as money. And so when a woman is looking at a guy, what makes him desirable is his ability to provide and protect and hopefully to be, to stick around. (laughs) So that means that it, when men gain a certain amount of money, it doesn't matter what they look like to a woman, they become desirable because that innate ability is being telegraphed to us that, oh, he can do those things. He can protect, he can provide, and hopefully, you know, he will be loyal and be around. Okay. Whereas on the other side, where men were concerned, men were always uh, trying to uh, look for the best woman to carry his progeny, you know, so that he would be able to have his legacy uh, go go forward. You know, it's kind of like that thrusting motion, the the male part, the protrusion into immortality and all of that kind of stuff. And so when he looked for women, he looked for those who were the most desirable and who subconsciously telegraphed to him that they would give him strong, comely children. And so when that came down to it, a lot of times it came down to women who were able to keep themselves up, which men didn't realize this, but that took, you know, money. And so this is what kind of under the scenes started to make bring in the trust factor in relationship. There was a trust that he would continue to be able to provide and do and and give the money and he her his trust for her. So her trust was you continue to bring in the money and provide and my trust is uh, or his trust for her was going to be that you continue to keep yourself up. And we're going to be all right. And so it was kind of like this weird thing. But the common commonality between them is this intrinsic thing called money, where it doesn't lose its value and you can use it to get the things you want. So now let's talk about just in a society. Um, I um well, you, you already know, I've already said it, you can see my face. I am uh, an American a uh, black person. So I'm a black descendant of um, slaves here in America and, uh, or uh, a BDOS. Um, yeah, black descendant of slaves. And one of the things that I have been looking at is how it was uh, after the reconstruction when there were a lot of black people who were finally free and they were able to join the capital capitalist society and at that time there were a lot of black what we would now equate as millionaires for how much they amassed quickly i'm talking about within two decades of reconstruction. So from 1863 in the North, where most Black folks knew that they were uh, free, all the way down, you know, along the Delta to Nashville, Memphis, with the churches and all of, and and when I say churches, I'm talking about the people church, not the building church. Robert Church, his wife, Mary, and the others, how they were amassing all of this wealth. And when you look at their biographies, what they were doing was they weren't trying to just get the money so that they could 
have things. They were accumulating the money. And at this time, what they were doing is they were setting up infrastructures for their peoples. So a lot of them became philanthropists because what they wanted to do is they wanted to build a bridge of trust between them and their former oppressors. They wanted them to say, see, you were wrong. We are human. We are able to be as smart, clever, industrious, creative, and all of those things as you. And we do that uh, by showing you that we can gain this money. And you also had it in um, the nation's capital where they had the black elite who were setting up uh, uh they were the first to start setting up con- uh, institutions of greater learning like your Howard universities. And you even had uh, sororities and fraternities being sprouted up as brotherhoods and, so- and sisterhoods to help continue this. And excellence was a big thing that was going on. So now, now that I've done that part, let's get into how that looks to- looks like today. So a lot of people are on this treadmill, and I'm actually going to be talking about this hedonistic treadmill. Um, that's one of my subjects that I, I, I'm always fascinated with, um, our, our quest for more. Uh, but that's another podcast. But today, I'm talking to you about money is trust. And so going back to this book, homo, um, not Homo Sapiens, he just calls it Sapiens because he does deal with some of the other uh, tribes in the beginning of the book where he um, you know, talks about the Neanderthals and some of the other um, sapiens that were discovered. And so that's why the book is called Sapiens instead of Homo Sapiens because he does include them. Uh, but the thing is, is that he talks about how um, the coinage, the currency, um, how it didn't matter if it had Arabic on it, talking about Allah is one uh, and there it's only his only prophet is Muhammad. Uh, Christian crusaders would gladly take that coin and use it and vice versa. Uh, Constantine's um, Byzantine Empire, uh, when the Ottomans came in and uh, invaded them, they had no problems taking those uh, Christian coins and bartering with them and using them. And it was because money was the overall factor that helped us to not necessarily trust people, but put our trust in their ability to do work with them. Now, hopping back to what my grandfather said, I didn't tell you the the rest of what he would always say. So he would point to that dollar bill and he would say, you see, it says it right here, in God we trust. And on the back end, he would always make sure that he said, everyone else would check out. And then if he was feeling really good, he would talk about how it even says that in the Bible. And there is a Bible scripture that says, put your trust in no man. And so it's almost kind of like um, everything is everything. There is, you know, synchronicity between them all. Because let's be honest, people do not trust people. And and I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing. What I am going to say is people don't understand that there is a totally unifying factor here of uh, money and how it has been able to keep us civil, uh, you know, for the most part. And it is even funny that in the same text of the Bible, it talks about the love of money is the root of all evil and how 
yeah, it is the love of money. But when you actually love what money can do for you, it could possibly make you a better person. And that is because you're not in a vacuum and you are, you might be operating uh, autonomously, but you sure can't act like you you are an anarchist. You know, there are going to be opposing forces, whether it be the law or other people that's going to keep you in check because money is a mitigating factor for everybody. All right. So now I'm hoping that if you're listening to this to this point, which I believe you are, <laughs> that you can start to see why people do the things they do when it comes to collecting and, and gathering money. Now, this is the, the thing. Um, I just said that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that is kind of true. Um, I don't even want to say kind of, but it's okay. So I do want to say it's kind of so I can give you a comparison. So the love of money is kind of like hoarding. And when you hoard, that means that you stop the action of something where it becomes stagnant. And there is this thing, it's like a third law of thermodynamics. And um, it, it, it is what it is. And it's called entropy. And that means that entropy is a chaotic a, um, energy that once something uh, ceases to move or is pulled out of the natural progression of change, it starts to decay, collapse, deteriorate, and degrade. So think about it. You live in a house and it's amazing. You live in this house and you, you know, you upkeep it. But even if you didn't mow the lawn or whatever, and you just took care of the house, the lawn would probably go back to forest, but that house would be fine. And they've even said that when people leave a house for even a month, it automatically starts trying to return back to the chaotic state of creation. And so entropy is real. And when people hoard money, hoard things, they it sets the cycle of entropy up in their life. And if you notice, miserly people, people who hoard, stingy, tight people, they have a higher level of distrust. And if you don't watch it, distrust will make you skeptical and cynical, and distrust will actually deteriorate your lifespan and make it where you don't live as long. They've actually got studies about this whole thing. Uh, it's been hypothesized that the story of Scrooge for Christmas and his hoarding was a subliminal telegraph to people um, in uh, England uh, and and those um, the surrounding European nations to uh, telegraph to them the spirit of giving so that they could keep their economies going, especially during Christmas time at the end of the year when it's cold outside in most of the European countries and, and in the in the Americas uh, so that they could keep um, people fed and keep the currency, not the money, the currency circulating in communities so that they could continue to grow and go forward. Okay, so now get this. You have people who inevitably started understanding about this power. Now, I don't know necessarily if they thought about the impact of um, the thermodynamic 
um, part of entropy and how things start to degrade when you stop them, right? But they did start to understand the power of when you keep something moving. And money as a trusting movement began to take on many forms. And that meant that not only could you have these currencies, but you could have this establishment of money where it's based on a belief system. And the thing is, is about money. Money is not a belief in you. Money is not even a belief in the government or the political power Uh, behind it. Money is a belief in the future that something will be, you guessed it, respected, trusted, and done. So you pay money for uh, a service and the service is done. If it doesn't, what happens? You sue. You, the, the trust, the contract, the understanding has been breached and you move on. Um, when you look at how people uh, matriculate and how they do things, it was going to be uh, very soon after this whole concept of money started happening that people started saying, you know what? Hmm. If I trust, so like if I go to the cobbler and I want shoes and he tells me that I've got to give him two shekels. Well, actually, shekels were weights of silver. They weren't really money. But anyway, if I tell the cobbler that I want shoes and he says it's going to be, and I'm going to just use dollars because that's what I'm familiar with. And he tells me it's going to be $10. I pay for the shoes to be made or I pay after the shoes are made and he delivers them. There was still this amount of trust on one end or the other. So, for instance, it has always baffled me how when you go to a restaurant here in the States and you sit down, they have a lot of trust in you because they use all of their resources, their materials, um, their lighting, their 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 quality of um, air that they provide, and they bring you the food and you consume it. And then after that, they're like, this is how much you owe me. And of course, yeah, there are a lot of people that, not a lot, but there are some people who will dine and dash, but that's not right. But there is a trust and an assumption that you are going to give them a symbol of that representative of money. And so you see what I'm saying? And for the most part, well, there are some who will refuse people for service. But if you tend to look like you can provide this promise of money. They don't care. They will serve you. They will give you food. Whereas back to my cobbler situation, the cobbler is also either putting his trust in you to use his materials and to make a pair of shoes for you based on your promise to pay him, or you pay him first so that he can go get the materials and get paid for his labor and he produces you with the, sh- with the shoes. But whatever you want to say, it is the great leveler of trust. And so money is kind of like the foundations and the bartering of trust between people so that everybody can do what they need to. Now, I want to talk a little bit about um, society and, and where we are right now. And the reason why the wisdom smack came to me. And that is on our platforms that we have now, uh, people are worshiping at the altars of stuff. They are worshiping at the altars of lifestyles of the rich 
the famous, the infamous, and the prolific. You know, let's just be honest. There are a lot of people who are influencers now for the sake of being um, quippy or funny or whatever. And they are showcasing a lifestyle of luxury. And it is to the point where your very reputation and your value is being attached to how much of this representation of money you can either show you have or I hate to say it, pretend like you have. And it got me to wondering why is this happening? Well, of course, we we've already established that money is trust. But now, and it's not a new thing, but it is it is something that I think we have to look at because the wisdom is there beckoning us standing in the middle of the street saying, hey, over here. And that is, well, I I know everything is, you know, nothing's new under the sun, but at this particular time, it is saying that, hey, you are using the clout of money to give you respect. Now, I've talked about respect before, and I just want to really go back and and talk about the uh, etymology of that word. And so respect is broken into two. And so re is to, uh, it means back in Latin. It it means, you know, a backwards or back or history or something like that, like replace, go back and place something again. Um, And then spect, that part is actually spect, uh, Spec, spec, survey, or spec, spec, sir, and that means to means to look at where we get specter and um, spectrum, and so it looks it means literally to go back and look at again, and that's where we get the word regard again, uh, and many of the of the others that we get, and so it becomes respectere, which means to go back and look or regard again. And so it will go on to help us to understand that a lot of people are are using money to even gain their footing in our classes and in our society so that you will regard them again. So remember I talked about black folks trying to gain wealth so that we could show, you know, that we were not only trustworthy, but we should be respected. That's a big deal in society now where people are trying to find their place of respect so that they can be regarded anew and that they won't be taken for granted, that they won't just um, fall back into the wayside or into um, the the sea of, of everything. And, and, and people are looking for the ability to be special. And I was like, wow, you know, wisdom smack was, you think it's about stuff and it's not. That stuff can, for some people, be like, look at all this stuff I have. Respect me. Look at me again. Find my beauty. Find my whatever. Um, I'm going to go there. Yes, I'm going to go there. And I... <laughs> I was looking at uh, something recently. Uh, there's this famous boxer and he has always been ostentatious with showing his wealth. And so recently he actually took a picture with, with not stacks, but a table full of stacks of money. And it was like, okay, <laughs> okay. And this particular athlete has been um, prosperous 
I'm not going to, I don't know about wealth. I'm just going to say they have accumulated the ability to show a lot of symbols, currency that represents money. I'm just going to say that. Um, But they've been able to do that for a while. And it's part of their branding and everything. But when you kind of look at it and you look, you step back a little bit and squint your eyes, you know, squint just a little bit, you start to see that this is a telegraphing of trust me, I'm good enough. Trust me, I am worthy of respect. Trust me, I am more like you than you think. And then, Trust me, because not only am I more, am I like you, I'm more than you. And so it becomes where now it's to telegraph that I should garner more respect than you have. And so it it kind of like looks that way when you start looking at, oh my gosh, this is money has been the great conqueror. Money has conquered every land, not all of the ancients that we talk about, whether it was um, uh, King Circe or it was Alexander, whatever. It's not that. It is this, um, this entity, this belief system of money that causes us to trust people and that causes us to attach to that trust to gain respect and personal regard that allows us to start to get people in our community to do those very things that I talked about in relationship where, you know, whether it's women with being regarded as desirable, beautiful, and it's not, and I'm not just talking about heterosexual relationships. I'm talking about any and all kinds of relationships here. And so money is where that trust comes in. Now, do not write me talking about all you, you know, you worshiping money. No, I'm not. If that's what you got out of this, go back and listen to it again because you missed what we were trying to say here. All right. So let me just, how about I give you a recap? So what I'm saying is money is a belief system that we all buy into where it makes it safer for us to put our trust in you to have some type of relationship. And money can also be used to build respect um, and to build our status to be one with, with you. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. And I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I'll see you tomorrow. And in the meantime, you don't forget to use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. See you later. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. 
Bye.